And what's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast. And on this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I'm Christopher Coleman, and joining me today is... Trash. Trash. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm Dane Walker. Today is Sunday, June 23rd, 2019, and in this episode, we discuss the original score to Toy Story 4 by Randy Newman. You can find all episodes of the Soundcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Radio Public, Google Podcasts. You can send us your feedback at soundcast at tracksounds.com. That's soundcast at tracksounds.com. Or use our SpeakPipe widget, which is really cool. That's really fun when you do that. Or you can reach us on Twitter at Audio Soundcast. You got a friend in me. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am. Big and strong. All right. Well, welcome, everyone, and welcome, Dane. Good to be on the line with you to talk about some Toy Story today. Yeah. But before we talk about Toy Story, we've got a couple other things that we wanted to talk about. First, um, something we haven't done for a while. And occasionally I get a request like, hey, why don't you bring this segment back? And I think about it. I'm like, meh. But today I didn't say meh. I said, let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's share some things. The, the old what have you been listening to segment is back, at least for today. Nice. Um, and then we're going to do a little brief uh, remembrance of, of James Horner. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Toy Story 4. So, Dane, what have you been listening to lately? Well, uh, I have been listening to a, a bunch of things. Uh, but uh, this week, I listened to uh, an album that just came out this year called The LPO Plays Vaughn Williams. It's got uh, some great tracks on it, good recordings. Uh, the London Phil does a great job. And so you've got uh, The Lark Ascending, obviously, is the first track on there, which is mm. one of the greatest pieces nice. ever written. Yeah. Um, and then you have this uh, this other weird piece I'd never heard before. And I'm going to find that because I'm going to mention it because it's great. If you like film music, this is um, it's got On Wenlock Edge. I never heard that before. Good <laughs> stuff. Because it's a great album. It's huge. Good long album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Dark Phoenix. Hans Zimmer's Dark Phoenix. I mm-hmm. The first time I heard it, I thought, why? 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 And then uh, the more I listened to it, the more I kind of kind of got into it. Um, yeah. It's not... It's not... It's not on my, you know, top 10 Hans Zimmer scores. But yeah. I, I like it. I like some of his stuff. I feel like a, there's a little bit of old Hans back in there. You yeah. know, it reminds me of um, Point of No Return with Bridget Fonda. Remember that movie? Oh, gosh, man. I haven't thought about that film in a long time, let the, alone its score. The score was great. It's one of mm. one, of, one of the Zimmer goody goodies from back in the day. Um, mm. we'll go back and revisit that one. Yeah, it's good. Also got some good Nina Simone tracks on that album. Oh, nice. Yes. Interesting combination. Yeah. Hans and <laughs> Nina. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Hellboy, I really like Ben Walfish's Hellboy. It really gets me going. I like it. Get that orchestra rocking. Love mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, and then I was listening to Love Simon by Rob Simonson, who also has a new album coming out called Spectre, which sounds really cool. Yeah, um, I think it is out, right? 
or did he just? I, mean, I think he just released track? a single, didn't he? And he's yeah, he's that could getting be ready to release the rest of it. It's really cool stuff. I love Rob Simonson, but uh, after listening to Love Simon, I kind of went on an '80s dive and ended nice. up getting hooked again on Mr. Mister's Welcome to the Real World. Um, Very nice. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, and then today I was I was listening to some Horner and did For Greater Glory, the true story of Christiata, and it just warm my heart or warm my heart that's one of those that's just like it's it's so good but people don't know about it yeah i didn't talk about it very much today is the first day i've actually listened to it oh really yeah i was shocked that it was the first day. i mean it's very it's classic horner i mean it's Mm -hmm. got all the hornerisms you could ever want but with a nice um latin edge on Mm -hmm. it and place it you know it's it's really, really, really good. And he's got really this good. weird thing going on with the choir where they're doing like some percussive stuff with the flamenco guitar thing. And yeah. you're like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I think it's got some longer tracks on there. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Typical Horner. We're going to record this whole cue and it'll take the rest of your life to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. Yes. I love. Uh, you know, I had forgotten all about Hellboy <laughs> and that was came out, what, two, three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like disappeared off my radar completely. Um, as hard as has Dark Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's been out like two weeks. <laughs> uh, I think I listened to it two or three times and I was like, yeah, it's fine. I guess maybe it, maybe it, I mean, for the people who've seen it well, not all, but some of the people who've seen it in the movie. I saw one review that was like, this Hans Zimmer score is going to be remembered with the Dark Knight. And, and I know. Accept it. And I'm like, what? I know. No, it's not. <laughs> no. I'm I know. I, I saw that too. And all I thought to myself was. Um, oh, you know, the same what I'm talking about? The yeah, same review? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah I, like, I thought, oh, I think we got a little too much Hans love going on. Just a little too much. Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, okay. I mean, that that first track is good i like yeah. it it's yeah. good it's like oh wow and there's the way he's writing it just felt like he was in his wheelhouse a little bit he kind of you know doing he wasn't trying to experiment so much as just do his thing and mm-hmm. and then the rest of the the score is just kind of like well okay yeah it's fine it's a word you're gonna hear me use a lot in this episode <laughs> is fine <That's> um but one score i'm going to talk about that i've been listening to that i'm certainly not going to use that word uh not because it doesn't it's because it deserves more than that kind of description is um michael giacchino's john carter score mm-hmm. I, I rewatched that a week ago a little bit more than a week ago and man that is not a bad movie. i mean i liked it when i first saw it i own mm-hmm. the blu-ray um you know i've watched it a few times but it's been a while since i've watched it and it was on netflix so it's seen that in a while let me just start it and see if i'm into it and that is not the film that it has the reputation of being at least in my opinion i think it's i don't think wait, the wait, 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 is bad. what's huh? the reputation that you think it has that it's a bad film oh no it's definitely not a bad film i mean that it was they call it a you know it is a bomb in terms of financially didn't do what they were hoping i mean they spent a a gatillion dollars on that film but you know they really uh rail on lead actor i forget his name right now just just left my mind that's kind of the, the dude point, from right? friday night lights um the dude who played uh 
he was in he was in X Men. Oh yeah, Origins Wolverine. Right. Um, played uh, Gambit. Anyway, can't remember his name, but he's not nearly as bad as I mean. To me, he's not even bad. I think he does fine. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's that word. Uh, I, think he, <laughs> I think he does a decent job. Um, I don't think the writing is great. Um, I don't. The, the, aesthetically, I'm not a big, huge fan of like the production design, the costume design, mm-hmm. and that. It's not great. Um, but the the Tharks are just amazing. I, I just love the whole movie. Have been about the Tharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have so much character and personality, and they're just interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really love that. And then Michael Giacchino's score is just is just a perfect fit. And um, the way he treats John Carter's main theme is great. I mean, the, the, the waltz he does when he first lands on Mars and it's very, um, Maurice jar, like mm-hmm. very, yep, yep. Uh, very much of that vein. And it's just, just beautiful. And Lawrence of Arabia. I, yeah, very much. So, uh, so I love that score quite a bit. And so I've, since I've watched it, the theme has just been in my head every day. So I've probably listened to it every day since then. Uh, so if you haven't listened to John Carter by Michael Giacchino lately, I say give it a spin and see and rewatch it too and see those of you listening if you haven't um, see see if it's still as bad as you remember it to be or people told you it's been or if you've never seen it because of those reasons uh, check it out I think you might be surprised definitely the score I think if you haven't listened to it for some reason please check it out. Um, another score I've been listening to is a new release from Movie Score Media called Solus or Soli. I'm not sure the right pronunciation, but I'm calling it Solus at this point in time uh, by someone I'd never heard of before, David Stone Hamilton. Have you heard of him? No, but I, I feel like when did this come out? Like last week. Okay, so this isn't the album I was thinking of. Okay, go ahead. But it's a really interesting score. Um, it feels like in some parts... I mean, it's it's a it's pretty eclectic. It's got big, huge symphonic pieces, and then it's got very much smaller electron electronic, um, at least electronic and symphonic mix kind of dissonant stuff. But when it goes big, it goes pretty big. Um, it sounds like he has a limited sized orchestra, but he's got it sounding as big as he can, and it sounds like a scaled down kind of self contained Zimmery sort of thing. Okay, but with more color to it, more okay. orchestral color than than um, Zimmer ha- tends to use now. Um, I think I say that too because it's got the little ticking clock thing okay. that he's got going on at times. So I hear that and I immediately think Zimmer. Um, but there's two or three tracks on there that are really, really, really good. It's a very, it's an easy one to listen all the way through because it's so different track to track. It gets a little bogged down towards the middle, but then the last, uh, no, not the last three, but there are three tracks that are over 10 minutes long each. Is that this, uh, the triptych ones, death, spacewalk finale. Okay. Yeah. The finale is fantastic. It's about 11 minutes long. Wow. Um, uh, that one is really good. The other two are, "Mm," but that one is, is, is fantastic. And so, uh, it's just been released. It's on Spotify and elsewhere. Uh, but it's Soli or Solus by David Stone Hamilton. The album cover is killer. Yeah, yeah. It's very. Uh, what's the What's the Moon one we just saw, had come out uh, last year? This year? Last oh, year. Uh, First Man. 
First Man kind of reminded me a little bit of that. It does have that kind of cover feel. The color scheme is like everyone's using blue and orange or blue, magenta, and orange these days. (laughs) There are no other colors for for covers right now. That's right. Um, So that's what we've been listening to. We'd love to know what you've been listening to, and you can let us know a myriad of ways. Tweet at us at Audio Soundcast. Send us an email, soundcast.tracksounds.com. Use our SpeakPipe widget on the site at thesoundcast.com. Um, we'd love to know what you've been listening to. And if you've heard something that, um, something new that you don't hear a lot of people talking about, please let us know. We'd like to check it out ourselves. Definitely. All right. Let's, um, move on. Uh, yesterday, June 22nd was the fourth anniversary, sad anniversary of the passing of composer James Horner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a few tweets go out with different remembrances. Of course, um, Eric's Cinematic Sound Radio has a, a special show or more than one that he's done. So check that out on his site if you want to kind of go through a nice tribute to James Horner. Um, we did two or three episodes, mm-hmm. uh, tribute episodes uh, on the Soundcast. So if you want to hear those, just go to the site and Google James Horner and you'll see all kinds of James Horner stuff. Um, so rather than do kind of a rehash of all of that, um, not that he's not deserving of it, still wanted to bring it up and just kind of reflect a little bit, uh, on his passing has been four years. I mean, it's in some ways it seems like longer and in other ways it seems like it just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely go through spells where I just miss the fact that I'm not hearing anything new from him. Yeah. Um, and, and it's probably two, three weeks ago. I was just thinking, I wonder what big movies would he have been the composer on that because of his passing, someone else did, you know, Mm -hmm. just trying to think of which ones might he have done? Um, I think, I think the avatar films coming, he would probably be on. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, it's just a curious thought of man, you know, what might've Michael Kamen have done over the last right. you know decade or basil polador you know if they were still around right what, right right and i just wonder what we've missed because of that yeah i'm sure we've gained some things that you know some younger people or newer people who may have not got the opportunity or something but mm-hmm. i wonder what we missed out from these guys yeah um are we missing another braveheart are we missing another conan are we missing another Robin, you know, did we miss something like that? Oh, remember he was uh, going to score. Um, what's that Mel Gibson film that uh, about the Medal of Honor guy? Um, that war movie about the Medal of Honor. Yeah, why well, can't I think of it? With uh, Vince Vaughn's in it, and uh, where he's the guy that is a conscientious objector, and then he oh up the... right, who ended up doing that one? I can't remember, but I know James I was, it was like Rupert Gregson. Williams it might've been because he's worked yeah. with Mel before too, but, but, uh, yeah. but James Horner was slated to do it and was excited to do it. Oh uh, uh, yeah. 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 That's you know, to have another war emotional war score from James Horner would have been. Yeah. And amazing. we pretty much know what we would have gotten, but if you're a James Horner fan, you probably would have loved it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> probably not a whole lot of surprises there, but I'm not looking for surprises. Right. <laughs> I just want him to do him. Um, so in thinking about that and reflecting, I just wanted to ask you, like, what now, when you get that hunger pang, if you get them like I do, for a James Horner score, what do you first turn to? 
for me, it's Apollo 13. Um, and it's funny because when I think about James Horner, I think of things like Glory, mm. um, which I think is absolutely one of his best. Spectacular, yeah. Um, nothing beats bum, bim, bim, bum, biddy, bim. <laughs> um, yeah, Glory is up there. Um, searching for Bobby Fisher. I, mm. I adore that. Sneakers. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, Sneakers is off the charts. It's um, my saxophone exception score. Really? Yeah. So the like lethal weapons don't scores. count. I don't listen to them. Oh man. Okay, but I, I would agree with you that Sneakers is definitely the saxophone. If you're going to have a saxophone exception score, that's the one. It's it works. It's phenomenal. Branford Marcellus, what do you want? Yes, and more. There were like four other folks on that, not just oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, and those are all good, but for some reason, I always come back to Apollo 13. And I also co- always come back to that original album release with all the sounds and the dialogue and, and the tracks. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that. It's just, it's like listening to a, one of those story albums you had as a yeah. kid. There's just something mm-hmm. about it. And I can always throw it on and it puts me in a place. And I remember the movie clearly. And there, the, the, the moment for me in Apollo 13 that that's awesome is the moment of uh, re-entry all oh, the yeah. way through to the end of the end credits. Oh, it gets me every single time. Absolutely. Every single time it, get, it, it gets me in the feels. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I've seen that movie countless times. Yeah. I mean, and you know what's good. You know everything's going to be fine, but it's still just... It yeah. Just gets, it's so good. It's yeah, so yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but between, me, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, go between ahead. always between that one and and at night sometimes if I just need something to relax and, and just calm me down, Spitfire Grill mm-hmm. always fills the void. same year or the year after. I think '96 was mm-hmm. Spitfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the year after that. Um, yeah, that's a beautiful score. Did you ever see the film? No, it's a good film. I I have heard it's a very good film. Uh, one day I want to do an episode on this. Um, because this would be one of them, a movie you watched because you liked the score. Like, so you listen to the score first sure. and then you're like, I want to check out that movie. I want to see what this is all about. And that's definitely one I would never have watched had the score not been as great as it was. That's funny. I, there's a lot of movies that are scored by him that I know that's true about. That I saw the mm-hmm. movie precisely because of his score. Mm-hmm. Many, many, yep. many of them. Yeah, so we'll do an episode like that someday. That'd be fun. That'd be interesting. Um, my go-to, and it's hard, but you know, when I know I only have so much time, it's like, man, I need to hear some James Horner. If I just want all the James Horner possible, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's Legends of the Fall. Yeah, it, it's it's like everything's in there, um, and it's like it's like peak uh, peak classic James Horner stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that score to death. That's another movie I watched because I heard the music first. Sure. And and I guess it's a guilty pleasure movie for some people. I have no shame and I like that, that movie's movie amazing. a lot. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. It seems like it seems like it's one like people don't like to admit that they like. I don't like, know why, why not. <laughs> it's a, I mean John Toll cinematography just phenomenal. Yeah, how many people um, you got Anthony Hopkins, you got Brad yeah, Pitt, Brad you got Pitt. uh who are the female actresses? You have uh, uh you have little Elliot in that too. Yeah, I got Elliot in there and um I can't remember her name right now, the lead. Um she was fantastic in it though. Julia is it uh, is it Julia Ormond? Julia Ormond, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's Julia Ormond. 
and the other the other brother uh, I can't remember his name right now either but just uh, just fantastic movie with a fantastic score and so that gives me the fix the fastest I'm like, okay. I need Horner quick gotta get something in my ears that's the one I go to and um, and it does the job every time every single time um, yeah uh, and there are a ton of others that are close but, but that's the one uh, and I think when I did my top 10 James Horner scores like 8-9 years ago I think it's number 2 and I, or it's either 2 or 3 because Braveheart's up there but Searching for Bobby Fisher is still at the top yeah 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 but that's still that's still my, my all time favorite and I don't know I don't know about you but I can't think of a composer and everybody talks about this but searching for Bobby Fisher, I'll just tell this little story. I was driving home. I was teaching piano and I had morning sessions with some homeschooled kids and I was driving home and there was a hawk soaring above my car mm. and searching for Bobby Fisher was on and the, the music soared with that hawk. And I just, <laughs> I remember thinking, and, and James had died that spring or that, that oh, summer. Wow. So this recent. Yeah. So this was the fall of 2015. And, and okay. I was just driving and that, I saw that hawk soaring and I was hearing this music and I just thought, you know, nobody scored flight like he does. No one. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, this is about a kid playing chess. Yeah. And it still feels like a hawk flying. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. how did that, how does he do that? Like, I, I can't I figure know. out, you know, what There's it is about it. It just makes you feel like you're off the ground and you're floating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he knows how to just elevate. He knows how to lift. Yeah. He just lifts. His music just lifts. I have a similar story. This is not long after I first heard it and seen the film. I was in New Mexico at the time. Um, and I remember I was driving up. I lived in northwest New Mexico, so I could drive into Colorado within like 40 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. So I load my dog up. We jump in my Pathfinder and we drive up into the mountains up there, the La Plata, yes. which are kind of like connected to the Rockies, mm-hmm. but just barely. And, um, you know, the first city in in uh, Colorado would be Durango, Durango, Colorado, if you've ever heard of it. Yep. Um, and just driving through those mountains with that score playing mm-hmm. is just majestic. And, th- and that's part of the reason why it's number one, because I have all these experiences and things attached to listening sure. to me outside of the film, just listening to it and remembering where I was and what I saw, you know, and then just finding this incredible field in the mountains and letting my dog out and we're just running around and the music's still playing, you know, I have it playing on my car and it's just, just a fantastic memory that I won't ever forget. And it's so closely associated to that particular score. Right. Uh, and, that's that's uh, similar to why Apollo 13 is, you know, there for me, it's just, it's the same thing. Big road trips were all, it was always playing, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Just like, yeah. 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 I, I, I really, really miss, um, miss him and miss, miss looking forward to whatever he was going to write next. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's, there's a definite hole there, but thankfully he's left us so much music, um, to listen to. And you know, La La Land and others are, re- are releasing expanded. I think they just did an expanded Apollo thirteen, right? Where they, they did. got rid of all the 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 it's a two disc sound and all that. Yeah, yep. Um, they did Project X just recently, and I'm just like automatic when I see a release that it's if I don't own <laughs> it already, it's mine. Um, I think I've listened to Project X once <laughs> since I got it. That's but funny. Just the fact of 
gotta have it yep. you know gotta have it yeah 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 um so uh that's our brief but poignant remembrance of james horner uh who we lost four years ago as of yesterday june 22nd um if you have a story that you'd like to share about how his music has impacted you or continues to impact you you know how to contact us we've listed it already for you but we love to hear your james horner story and what is your go-to james horner score when you get the james horner hunger pangs let us know I can't let you, I can't let you, I can't let you throw yourself away. I can't let you, I can't let you, I can't let you, I can't let you throw yourself away. All right, with that, we are going <laughs> to move on to our feature discussion for the night, which is Toy Story 4, uh, which just released... Uh, this past week. So let me just give you a quick synopsis on this and some of the context for our score discussion. Uh, the synopsis says, Woody, Buzz Lightyear, and the rest of the gang, mm, I take issue with that, <laughs> <laughs> embark on a road trip with Bonnie and, oops, I cut that off. Hold on. Uh, embark on a road trip with Bonnie and a new toy named Forky. The adventurous journey turns into an unexpected reunion as Woody's slight detour leads him to his long-lost friend, Bo Peep. As Woody and Bo discuss the old days, they soon start to realize that they're worlds apart when it comes to what they want from life as a toy. Uh, this fourth entry was directed uh, not by Lassiter, of course not, who did the first two, and Lee um, Unkrich, I think that's how you say his name. Right. Um, did the third one. This one is directed by Josh Cooley. And this is his first uh, feature that he's directed. He's been with Pixar for a while. He's been involved with um, things like The Incredibles and Ratatouille and Cars 2, a whole bunch of stuff he's been involved with. Um, and he directed one of the short films called Riley's First Dates. But this is his first feature. He's taken the, uh, the, the reins. Uh, written by, and this surprised me as I watched the credits, Rashida Jones uh, has a credit on the screenplay mm -hmm. from The Office and other things. Andrew Stanton, uh, Will McCormick, Stephanie Folsom. Um, it was released on May 30th. No, it was not released on May 31st. It was released on, what was the day? The 21st. June 21st. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is doing great. 98% from the critics, 95% from users. Uh, the box office is not as great as they had hoped at 118 million. This is as of Sunday. Uh, domestic and then 238 million total with international included. The original score is once again by Randy Newman, which was also released on June 21st, 1st by Walt <laughs> Disney Records. Uh, 26 tracks, hour, and 12 minutes worth of music. So, Dane, what was your, what's your history? What's your toy story story? Oh, uh, well, I remember going to see the first one in the theater. Uh, I was 19. My sister and I went. Um, I, I remember thinking to myself, holy crap, this is, this is going to change everything. Hmm. Um, it was the first, you know, 
full full on computer animated feature. You know, we'd seen some stuff at Beauty and the Beast at that point. There'd been a couple of like uh, Pixar stuff they'd done, but nothing that was like full on feature. And not only that, it was it was gut wrenchingly emotionally perfect. You know, it tugged at every heartstring, made you laugh, made you cry, made you happy, made you sad. You know, the whole thing. Um, and uh, I just thought this is this is going to be awesome. Um, and it did change everything. Um, and then came Toy Story 2 and then which I thought was hilarious. And then three, which is great. Um, and, and I thought I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy that, that it ended that way. It was beautiful. Andy grew up, went to college and the toys are happy still the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> nope, <laughs> not quite. Yeah. Uh, I have a very different toy story story. Um, this is this fourth one is the first one I've actually seen in the theater. Okay. Uh, I've never gone to see one in the theater before. Uh, I've seen them all, but Mm -hmm. I saw them all on home video and I like them all. Um, but here comes that word. I thought they were all fine. Um, I think I resisted on the first toy story because I was not feeling the 3d animation. I just, as a principal, I was like, no, I love 2d animation and I want there to be 2d animation. And the writing was on the wall. I was like, yeah, you know, I remember that too. You're it. right. Like that was a if you're a 2D guy and I love 2D. Um and I I particularly love old school hand-drawn 2D cuz they're even computerizing exactly. 2D now. Yeah. Yep. Um but that, that there was that thing they're like this is changing everything and I, and Disney even got rid of their hand-drawing animators for a while and yep. like there was like this whole stupid like oh we yep. don't need this anymore blam yep. you know and it's like this statement they were making with it yeah that i can see if you had that on principle that you would be like no <laughs> yeah I, I, I that was a part of it and then you know i saw the trailers and all that and i was just like eh, it looks fine you know it's not <laughs> something i'm just going to run out and go see um so yeah, just the pull was just never there. And after it came out, of course, it changed everything. And then there was all kinds of other 3D releases that, that I did go and see in the theater. Um, that particular one just never really grabbed me. But then when it was out on home videos, like, yeah, you know, I definitely wanted to see it and know what it's all about and enjoyed them um, for what they were. Uh, but it was I saw I've seen them all once. And for me, who who loves animation of all types now, 3D and 2D and whatever else, um, you know, I, I will see a lot of things animated many, many times. And I think of Pixar's maybe the only ones I've seen. One, no, I only saw the di- I saw the dinosaur, the good dinosaur once. I haven't even seen the that. Other ones, you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not great. Um, <laughs> it's not. And it, what was funny was it was like. I was visiting, I think my mom, my stepdad, no, my dad and my stepmom one Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. And, you know, they're like, you see a lot of animation. You know, why do you go see animation? So I was like, oh, I love it, blah, blah, blah. And there's this new one come out. Let's go see it. They're like, eh, nah, we don't want to see an animated film. I'm like, come on, it's Pixar. You'll love it. And we were all bored to tears. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, so this is what you like to go see? I'm like, well, this isn't Not the really. best example of a good Pixar <laughs> film. I mean, it's not horrible, but on the Pixar scale, it's pretty low. Yeah. It's pretty low. I mean, it's worth seeing once. I'll say that hmm. um, on home video. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of I think I'm 
not typical. I think most people really love all the Toy Story films and have a lot of emotional experiences with it. And maybe because I don't have kids and all that, maybe that's why. I mean, um, I've, I've had to watch them with each kid. So I've <laughs> sure. seen, you know, I had seen them before like two or three times myself. And now I've probably, I've seen them four times each. Well, the exception uh, of the newest one, but, uh, but you yeah. only saw them one time each with your kids. Well, each kid gets to watch them once. Right. And then the next kid gets to watch it. You know what I mean? So but they, they don't like watch it over and over and over. You no, like lots of kids. Do. No, no, no. We're not, we're not big fans of that. I'll let them oh. like, if, if we do, if we do a movie on Friday night, and I can tell they really like it. Then they can get up on Saturday morning and watch it again. Um, but we don't, we don't do the over and over and over all the hmm. time. And I, to be honest, I regret that sometimes because that was how I fell in love with so many films. I mean, sometimes it's just you've seen it so many times that yeah, how can you not love just, it? It's ingrained. Right. And then you come back to it as an adult and you're like, what was wrong with me as a child? <laughs> I don't come most. Well, some things that come back. To <laughs> right. It, but a lot of them, I'm just like quoting they, it. Right. Going along with it. And the music is, you know, stuck in my head yep. and all of that. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but. That was my experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about our reaction to this film, the fourth entry and we're just going to go straight spoilers uh this is going to be a little abbreviated compared to our other reviews we're not going to do you know our favorite tracks but we're going to react to the film with spoilers we're going to talk about the score uh and our reaction to it there um and but we won't do a our, our favorite tracks uh segment this time so dame what was your and again this is spoilers included so you can go full on how did you react to this film uh, i was hurting when i left the theater i was hurting my heart was hurt. Um, <laughs> Hurting in an intentional way? Uh, no, I mean, I, I really hurt. I mean, like, I was in pain, like, emotionally. Just, I liked where they ended up in the third one. I It was okay. beautiful. And then yeah. this one was just left me gutted. Um, and I think... Gutted not in the way they wanted to gut you. Yeah, I... I, I mean, I, I remember we were walking out. Now, our theater had this really cool setup where the kids could make oh, their own fork. No, no. <laughs> give me a break. But they, <laughs> no, they had, this is really cool. And I wish every theater should have done this. You could make your own forky. That's awesome. Right? Like, so the kids That's were out awesome. there and I'm like, how cheap is that? They ran out and bought some plastic sporks, some pipe cleaners, some clay and googly eyes and bam, you're making forky. Awesome. So they were, the kids were standing there making forky. So I was kind of thinking the movie through and just kind of talked to my wife about it. And I was like, but Buzz and Woody are never going to be together again. I mean, like, okay, I couldn't. So you, so you, so you were gutted in the way they wanted you to be. Well, I guess so. I think they felt like they were le they were telling a story that was important and happy. But to me, it was like this is soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've thought about it a lot since, and I, I finally have been able to come down from it. I just was hurt. It left me hurt. Wow. Um, it let me hurt for a couple of reasons, which was that I think Woody represents more than just toys and the toy, but he represents sort of like uh, that old 
noble, loyal cowboy code, right? Mm -hmm. And I hate that that that's kind of been, you know, taken away. Like the simplicity mm. of that. It's just like, well, that's, you know, we can't have that anymore. You yeah. Know? yeah. yeah, yeah cowboys yeah. have to be complicated, you know, but there yeah. was something really wholesome. Um, that's true. Doesn't mean it was necessarily 100% correct and good in its presentation. But there was something very good and wholesome about, you know, these cowboys that had a code and they were loyal and they were always the good guys, you know, mm -hmm. that's a good thing to have, you know, for kids to sure. watch and grow up with and think about being that and, so this was that old cowboy story. We've all seen it. There's a Clint Eastwood one. There's there's one. This is his, this is what he's unforgiven. Yeah. Right. It's like the <laughs> G-rated so. version of <laughs> you know. Um, True. And it just was there like, is some disfigurement in this <laughs> <one> too. <laughs> I know that gutted me too. I'm like, why are you taking out? There's a snake in my boots. Never will Woody say that anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it just, I, I, I have a hard time with that. Probably because I'm getting older. Probably because you know, there's that point when you go, well, that that youthful side of me, that that's gone. You mm -hmm. know, it's like I don't get that back anymore. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like yeah, how they ended I, it. Okay. Yeah, it's. It's interesting, we, and we can get more into the ending a little bit later. Um, I, you know, I thought, I agree with you. I think it ended in a really nice place. Uh, they put a nice button, nice bow on it with, with the third one. And so the things I had heard prior to watching was like, oh, no, this was really worth making. You know, this was a... <laughs> They really did find a, an angle to continue this story that doesn't just feel kind of tacked on. Um, I heard that several times from from reviewers that I uh, respect. I was like, oh, okay. Well, if they're saying that, you know, and they were talking about how the feels and all of that at the end. I'm like, okay. Um, even though I wasn't had never been moved to tears in any of the previous ones, like, well, maybe this one will get me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think it's too late. I'm not. I'm just not connected to these characters enough. I mean, there were a, a moment or two where I could feel it, but it felt very, you know, I'm going to sound like a millennial. It felt very ma manipulative. <laughs> um, um, and it's probably my, my uh, I guess it might be my biggest problem with the film with as it's wrapping up and we are in spoilers, the whole way that, what was the name of that doll? Gabby? Yes. And this, that girl just like, oh, that girl is lost. I mean, that was so out of nowhere. Right. I'm a horrible talking doll. Now I'm nice. Yeah. I mean, it just <laughs> the, the flow of that, it just felt like, are you guys making this up as you go? Because it's like, is she the villain? No, she's not the villain. You can come be with Bonnie. Bonnie will love you. Like, how do you know? How do you know she's going to accept this doll? And not just put her to the side like the last one did. Right. No, no, no. Come with us. So they're in a race and we got to get to Bonnie. Got to get to Bonnie. Er, hey, there's a little girl down there who's lost. I'm going to go down there with her. I'm like, where did that come from? It was just so out of left field that it's like, wow, this is not the flow of this. The plot progression was just really odd. I mean, it was a great ending and all of that for her. She got what she wanted. But it just seemed like it just I didn't see it coming. And it wasn't like, oh, subverted. It was just like, no, that's just kind of sloppy. So I didn't really feel too much for for that. And then the Woody thing uh, at the end, 
is he going to leave? Is he going to go back? And I just, I didn't think he was going to turn back around. <laughs> I, I thought he's going to go back with his gang. Right. And he didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't think Woody and Woody and Bo Peep. Buzz. No, no. Buzz Lightyear got, I don't think that moment was enough. It was. Oh, just, right. Like the whole, um, it just happened really right. he's like quickly. she'll be okay woody you know yeah. and he's like okay and then he's coming he's like no bonnie will be okay listen yeah. to your inner voice which was a little yeah. touching but it was like and then and then Woody's like yeah i'm not gonna go be with bonnie anymore i'm gonna go over here and it yeah. was like just, and then like wow okay and then you know is oh, woody a lost toy now you know <laughs> yeah and that, so, that that killed me yeah did it is woody a lost no toy now he isn't now to infinity and beyond, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it didn't get me. Um, and I, I was a little disappointed because I was ex hoping, expecting that it was going to get me. Um, so again, another fine film, but maybe just a little less fine than the last three uh, for me. <laughs> um I, I just think it's a little, it's too late for me to build that bond. You know, when did the first one go out? 95, yeah. right? That's a long time ago. Had I had that relationship with them since then, it'd probably be a different story. Um, so where does this rank for you out of the four? Oh, four out of four. My ranking is three, two, one, four. Oh, three's best two than one that four. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mine is simple. The first three are tied. And then there's this one. <laughs> it's they're all the same. And this one's not quite as good as as those. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd nudge three up just a little bit above one and two, but really, eh, I find them all about the same. Um well let's talk about the score, unless you have another point on the movie. Oh, I was just gonna say like three, two, one, and four. I I mean they built on each other, right? So the one one is like Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's fun. And then you see two and you're like, that's ah, way better. And then you see mm -hmm. three and you're like, oh, you know, like everything ends perfect. Yeah. It's very happy and it's great. And yeah, very touching. So and um, then they restart it. And then they told Woody's story and why. And now there's a snake in my boots. <laughs> they wanted to get you one more time. Let's talk about our, our reaction to the score. Um, what do you think about Randy Newman's work here? Oh my gosh, it's perfect. I mean, so good. Um, his ability to capture Americana, mm -hmm. and and yet he, it's like he he's commentating on it, not quoting it. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's like it's you're always like, oh, that's Americana. And then you're like, no, Randy Newman's telling you something about it at the same time, right? <laughs> Which is his whole yeah. thing. That's his shtick, right? Like he has yeah. the, the folksy songs that aren't really folksy. You know, the, the, com, the, the what's his song about the redneck? Um, I can't remember. It's just, anyway, 
that's his songwriting style too. He uses this, Amer- yes. he uses the format, but what he's really saying is not what the format would say. Right. The, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 And he does that in this too. It's just, it's perfect. He's laughing at it while doing it at the same time, you know? And yeah, uh, it's great. Great. And, <laughs> and not just as Americana, he actually goes full noble. Oh, Canada in there too, which I thought was uh, perfect. Full noble O Canada. Oh yeah, mean? remember he, uh, Duke Kaboom is a Canadian toy, right? Oh, so he's like, right. so every time he gets ready to make a ju- a jump, it goes. Dum, bum, 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 bum. Uh, I didn't even pick oh, up. Oh, it's on great! That. <laughs> it just flows so perfectly into it, and I didn't even catch it until I saw the movie and realized uh-huh. it was a Canadian toy. And I was like, oh, okay, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. Yes, you Canada. Now, <laughs> I did not know that that was Keanu Reeves. Yeah, did not pick up on that at all. And normally Keanu is very distinct. I mean, he only sounds one way. Right. But I, I totally didn't pick up on that. Um, but he was pretty funny. Yeah. I have to admit, he was pretty funny. The 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 chick and the bunny, man, it felt so tacked on. Yeah, they, I mean, they were funny, but it didn't really fit. Tacked on. Yeah, well, it, yeah. It it was just tacked on. Um, other thing, and this is more about the movie, is I don't like that they pretty much abandoned the old crew yeah yeah i mean it was really woody and his new crew right basically and i was like is that where they're going is it is that going to be the new thing that they're telling um i i guess there could be something there uh but if it's going to be the chick and the bunny and bo peep and uh the sheep kaboom and what's her face um uh who am i missing Nobody. That's who it is at the end. Oh, what happened to Benson and those guys? Those guys. I don't know. (laughs) They just got left. I did. I did find this humorous that you have Chucky out and you had this Benson marionette toy that was Mm -hmm. creepy as hell and (laughs) scared my kids to death, which is awesome. (laughs) Awesome. It it was we were at a 530 showing and there were families there all through the theater packed. And so I was getting a kick out of uh, listening to no, daddy, they're on again. (laughs) And that was cracking me up. Every time those guys showed up, I was dying laughing. I was like, this is hilarious. And I was like, little do they know that in the theater next door, there really is a sick doll. <laughs> well, all puppets are scary. Yes, they are. Especially that one. Yeah. They, well, there's four of them. And they did a they did a good job of making them scary. But they just got left. Right. I thought there was going to be some kind of redemption. Arc no, no, no. Too. Benson can't be redeemed, clearly. You know, well, only he, no, Gabby, he was, Gabby he was, can. He was cool at the end. How? He helped them. He helped them at the end. Oh, he did? Uh, he helped he helped um Gabby and them get out or something. Somewhere along the line, at towards the end, he, he was doing something positive. Okay. Uh, I can't remember exactly what Wouldn't it was. Wouldn't be a Pushing Pixar a movie unless that's what happened. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the score, it's it's a perfect fit for the film. Um, it matches the tone of the previous three. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty well i mean I, I wouldn't be able to distinguish one from the other really um so totally it's a complete match um when i did originally hear that it was gonna be a different director than of course not lassiter but um uh, lee unkrich wasn't gonna do it i thought oh you need some new guy i wonder if that means they're going to get someone different than randy newman um i'm really glad they they stuck with him and that would have been a dumb he, move anyway Frankly, he, he is the sound. He is that sound. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, thinking that, hey, they just they've done the trilogy. 
they're starting potentially maybe starting something new because i don't think this is a better ending than the third one it it feels like i mean it's an ending of sorts and you could end it there but it's not nearly as satisfying mm-hmm. as the ending of three well, do you so think- it makes me wonder are they going to do more well my kids in the car this true story the kids said dad we think toy story five should be that andy takes his kids to a vintage toy store and there's woody <laughs> on the stand and he buys them and he takes them home for his kids to play with. And that starts a whole new story. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. And Randy Newman should score that too. Yeah. He is the sound. I mean, it's hard to imagine him uh, not doing it, but later on, we're going to talk about if that happened, Uh who do we think could take the reins? Um, So that's what I was kind of thinking going is like, Oh, they're starting this up again maybe they're going to move in a new direction, but they didn't. And I'm glad they didn't. Um, you know, I, even in that opening action scene where they're rescuing RC, mm-hmm. um, I really noticed the music and I was like, my, my thought, when I think about toy story and the music of toy story, I think about the songs okay. and, and the vibe of those songs. And so I was really caught off guard. I was like, wow, this is some really good action music. Mm-hmm. Um, when it got intense and serious, yep. uh, Randy Newman did an excellent job with that. And then when it's more comedic action, you know, all the Mickey Mousing and all of that, it's just it's just refreshing to hear. Yeah, in, in a modern day animated feature, yeah, you just don't hear that at mm-hmm. all anymore. And uh, so I was very, very, very appreciative uh, of the music in those regards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, everything he does when he's scoring. He, these you you think you're listening to like an old Tchaikovsky ballet at points and then like it's mm. very classical and then it's very not classical and then well oh it's just a Disney animated film and then oh no it's it's Randy Newman and then oh yeah. you know it's just it's it's always going back and smooth like you never can tell when he's switching over like it just pops when it yeah. needs to pop and and just it's it's perfect and it to me it's proof that he is definitely the elder statesman in the Newman clan uh, you know, I mean, the other guys all can do it, but I mean, for some reason, his ability to do it now. And one of the things I think that's interesting that they've done is the actual engineering of the, the recording is old school. It's in a room, not a hall, or at least they make it sound like a room, not a hall. Right. So it's got that smaller, intimate, very close mic'd uh, sound. Uh, as opposed to like a big Zimmer square, where it's just like massive hall sound, big reverberation, you know, all this echo yeah. going on. This is very clean, very small, and it gives it this feeling of intimate intimacy. Um, mm-hmm. And it's in a room, so it's like toys in a room, right? So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not. Uh, so you have this big adventure score, but it still sounds like old uh, cartoon. Yeah. Uh, music it's great yeah good choice it absolutely does it absolutely does um yeah so if you were okay is it distinct for you as a score from the other three i don't know i mean i i think one of the things i thought as i listened to the album before i went to the movie was oh yeah i'm back in that world again mm-hmm. like instantly it just felt like I'm right back in that world. And there is no other there. There is a Toy Story world and there's a Toy Story sound, much like Star Wars has that Star Wars sound or radio, yeah. you know, that this is that world. Like 
there is no other person in that world than, than this yeah. sound. So um, as far as it being distinct from the others, I don't know that I could tell you that. Um, I feel like this one was more cinematically done than the prior ones. I could be wrong. I, I got to go back to two again. The, the Western stuff in two was really good. Um, mm -hmm. But I know that one just was there. Like it was good at the time, but then after that, it was like, no, these are this one. You know, the the scores got better to me. Um, yeah. I don't think they knew what they had first, and then he was allowed to kind of do more. But um, I don't know. I love this score. I, I really do enjoy it. I really did enjoy it, and I've listened to it three times now. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I like. I it. mean, I know he has some sort of thematic representation for Mister Forky, mm -hmm. but it's not it's not easily discernible unless you're like, at least for me. Uh, I mean, I, I think, think I pick it up in the tracks that are clearly about, about you mean Mr. like Forky? trash capers and all the, you know, the yes. ones that have to do with trash. Yeah. Yeah. Or a spork in the road. And that kind of, <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm sure that's it, but it's not, you know, distinct and um, distinct enough for me to pick up very easily. And I think maybe that's one reason. I mean, that would seem like it would be a, the differentiator from mm -hmm. the others because obviously mm -hmm. he wasn't in any of the other ones um which you know while i'm bringing him up that was another reason why i was i kind of call the movie fine but just fine because i really don't know what they were trying to say with forky like what 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 commentary are you making i mean because he's a he's a weird character <laughs> in terms of you know he he it's just I, I I didn't know what he was representing, you know. And usually they have something in there, like the the bear from the third one, right? Um, but this one, I'm like, she created him. He thinks he's trash, and he keeps wanting to go to the trash, which is where he came from. But did he know he did he have memories of being in the trash before he was a sim? I mean, it's just like, what are you what are you telling me with this? <laughs> With this character, uh, you know, I'm trying to glean a lesson like, oh, you know, we need to let go of the past or, you know, I'm just like, what, We're what is trash. he referencing? <laughs> and it then, was yeah, really I, existential, wasn't it? I thought at the <laughs> end when, when uh, uh, she comes out, she's like, and uh, she, Bonnie made a friend. And they're like, oh, great. And it's like yeah. a replay the first thing. And then yeah. the, my kids call her Knifey. The girl yeah, that comes out and he's like, she's like trash. She's like, how are we alive? And he goes, I don't know, oh, yeah. but we'll figure it out together. No, <laughs> and she's, like, she's like, I'll explain everything to you. And he's like, how am I alive? <laughs> he's just like, like huh? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I mean, the whole, the whole toy story world has, you know, its own, I don't even know what you call it, but, the toys come alive when no one's th watching them, basically. Right. And they have souls on some level. But these guys, I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what are you? What are you? And so it left me a little bewildered because I'm like, oh, I didn't. I thought by the end they were going to make it clear. Like, oh, this is how. Because one of the threads through the story is, you know, listen to your inner voice. Right. right. That was that was a Buzz Lightyear's deal. And he turns it on Woody at the end. You listen to your inner voice. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't really 
carry through in the Forky character that I can tell. Nope. Um, it's just odd. It was just it's he's cute and it's like oh he's adorable and everybody and their brother is gonna want one of those little and they're like I've seen them for thirty dollars online. I'm I know, like, isn't that crazy? Really? You can make one. <laughs> uh, and so I don't know. What did you pull from him as a character? From Forky? Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I did happen to think that maybe the point of Forky was hey this child made this toy and is imagining with it and so it's a new toy for her it's a new creative outlet and yet compared to woody and the rest of them he really is kind of trash right like he's not you know and we all know that kids will play with a forky type character and within a week forky's gone yeah you know um but woody's so devoted to his code Right. And, and to yeah. Bonnie that he's willing to keep kicking this thing out of the trash, like and yeah. go through all this rigmarole, even though Bonnie's keeping him in the closet. Like yeah. she's not playing with him anymore. So he sure. doesn't have that role. Um, that was his that was his that was that was his role. Right. right. And I feel like that in some ways, that was kind of a way to say, look, dude, like you're willing to help <laughs> trash. <laughs> You're like treating, you're dealing with the trash like it's Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 1. You know, yeah. you're trying to like, yeah. reveal, you know, um, and I think that's kind of the, that that was kind of the commentary too, is like you're you're wasting who you really are. Uh, but he's, Woody just helps anybody. Like when he, when he finds out that Gabby needs his vocal thing, eventually he gives it to her. Right, but why does he give it to her? He gives it to her because of his loyalty to Bonnie and getting Forky back to Bonnie. Mm, that's true. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Uh, yeah. It, but but in terms of Forky himself, I, I mean, what I thought it might be saying is like, of all the toys she has, of super sophisticated, super simple, new, old, this one that she made is the most precious one to her, at least at that time. Right. You know what I mean? Um and I don't know if it was like, hey, kids, be creative. That's why I'm glad, you know, your theater had the things to, for the kids to make their own. Right, right. really cool that they kids can use their imaginations mm-hmm. instead of just playing with toys that were purchased. Right. Make your own toy. Right. You know, I thought that idea was cool. Um, My kid made Forky with like six eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so he made like, what was the name of that? Sheep? Billy Goat's Gruff. Yeah, Billy Goat pretty and much, gruff. yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> that's a creepy sporky there, dude. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna wake up one morning and he's gonna be sitting on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trash, trash. Uh, yeah, no, so, I, I, so I, weird. I I I did hear somebody say uh, that that Forky was commentary on millennials, and I thought, no, that's just not nice. <laughs> How so? <laughs> I'd be interested to hear that connection. Uh, wondering why they're here. I don't know. It was oh. uh, it was uh, and actually it was in it was a Hollywood Reporter article, believe it or not. So I feel okay quoting that. It wasn't some random person. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. Very interesting. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's something to that Ge- generationally because Woody is older than Buzz, right? And right. Buzz was the newfangled thing for Andy, right? And then Sporky became the new Forky. thing Forky. for Forky. Forky became the new thing for uh, for Bonnie. Bonnie, right? Interesting. I maybe did. So. I did like that. What gives the toys life is love. Hmm. Right. 
like and gabby's like his case right and gabby's like uh she just wants to be loved so her dream is harmony and like she has this idea that when the little girl named harmony gets her her life will be in harmony and it's not right and i just thought that was there was a lot of weird the other three have all had existential sort of commentary this one was pure flat-on existential (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 and that was one moment that almost got me when harmony just just discarded her like into the box you're like holy crap oh that's just brutal um that's the part rashida jones wrote i'm sure Let's wrap things up um, and just discuss if they were to do additional films from this point on. And if they were, for some reason, going to replace Randy Newman. Not that I would, either of us would want that. Absolutely. But if it happened, um, stranger things have happened. Um, Who do you think is out there that do you think could do a sufficient job? Uh, Well, we both have, we both have in the show notes. Uh, Christopher Willis, hands yeah. down. Yeah, he'd be awesome at it. Chris Willis would knock it out of the park. Yep. I mean, his style is already right there. Right. He's, He's doing right it. there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I put Christopher Lennox mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he, he does so much animation. I think he could go Americana like that. Yep. Um, yeah, I definitely think he could. he could manage that. I think John uh, Powell could too. Thinking of his chicken run, be, oh, kind of sound. Yeah, that would definitely be more modern, a, mo- a more contemporary sound. Wouldn't yeah. it be? I mean, it could be, but I think he could go back. Time. He could go along those lines and just. I mean, yeah. really, it's it's hamming it up. Yeah, you know, it is. It um, is. But I can't hear him Mickey Mousing. I guess I guess he could. Chicken Run is so Mickey Moused. Is it? Oh, yeah. I have to go back and it's been years since I listened to Chicken Run. Yeah, Chicken Run is really Mickey Mouse. Now, is that Harry Gregson Williams, too, or is it just John They Powell? worked on it together, but it's John Powell. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought of someone else. Uh, there was a couple who worked on a lot, and they're WB. I don't know if they still are, but it's a long time ago. But uh, Stephen and Julia Bernstein. They did that, like Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, you know, in that era right. of, of Warner Brothers. And obviously, that's a that's a ton of Mickey Mousing, a ton of all of this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if they're still active. I haven't seen their names come up in a long time. But um, I remember that music pretty well. And especially like, well, all of them. Um, I think they did some Scooby-Doo stuff. Uh, but I remember them specifically for Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, and there was one other in that era that they did. But in any case, I think they could they would do a good job of that. It's that style. It's so sad to say, but that old style of you know Mickey Mousing and doing that that tongue in cheek writing, it's gone. Like no one really wants that anymore for some yeah. bizarre reason. Um, and yet, you know, I, I even uh, Cinderella is my my all time 
Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, but Cinderella is my all-time fave just for the literal Mickey Mousing of the mice in that movie. <laughs> Doesn't get any more Mickey Mouse. Right. Than that. But like the the going up the stairs, the cats coming, and the, and you can listen to that and you know just listening to the music from it, that's what's happening. Do, you know, the little flutes as the mice are running, and then you as the cat's coming up the stairs after them. You can't that I mean there's just something amazing about that sure. that we're missing and it it didn't just it, it it's not just a film thing but it was a marriage of the visual art and the true traditional classical uh music training like the the two mm. of the, those two arts came together so perfectly and told mm -hmm. a story so perfectly and and it became cliched and i get why it faded out of fat it became out of fashion but yeah. every time i hear it and i see it i just think that's that's it like that's writing for film in a nutshell this mm. you know like capturing a story so that when i walk away i know what's going on in my headphones yeah. just as much as if my eyes were looking at it and I mean, it, you can't be any more specific than that. I mean, when you're scoring footsteps or right. wing flaps or tumbling down the staircase, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't score any more specifically than that. Right. You know, it's it's concrete. It's not up for interpretation. It's it's scoring literally what is happening on the screen on the minutest level yeah and when you go back to these guys conducting this stuff and how they were doing it with odd meters and to clock and to picture and just punches and streamers and to and watch how they're doing now you know it's a computer and and yeah. you just think the the brain power that was at work to get it done not saying that we're not you know, there's no brain power now i'm just saying that the brain power that was working the creative imaginative brain power to create a a a, a functional music piece mm -hmm. that that works from beginning to end as a piece all by itself mm -hmm. and also perfectly captures what's happening on screen that's genius sure sure I mean, you can't just do one big note hit and let that carry across for the next, you know, several measures. You're you're scoring all those little things that are happening, not just the big hits, right? But every little, I mean, just the patience and then the performing of it. The people who have to perform it, sure. You know, uh, it, you're right. It is genius, and and I guess that's why it stood out when I was listening, watching, listening. It's like, wow. This is like an old school mm -hmm. 2D animated score mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. And just you just don't get that anymore. Um, you know, so much animation is so serious and so just so much mo more modern in its sensibilities now that right. you just can't do that without it being like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You just took me out of the film. Now I'm aware of what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. So audience audiences just aren't just aren't there anymore for that. And I Which think it's just sad. I think part of that is that there's a loss of childhood innocent, childish innocence in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why why I've always enjoyed the Toy Story whole thing is just there's just mm. childhood in childish innocence in it. It's just mm -hmm. it's just kids, but it's like the Muppet movies. Mm. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's yeah. and there's there's all sorts of innuendo and things in there that the adults get, but pretty much right. it's just for kids. 
and yeah. and the but the, the quality of the music's great the story is good it's it's funny everyone laughs it's just it's 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 great and um yeah. that's missing and it's i i wish a lot more of that would come back where uh just appreciative of being a kid and it being innocent and just having fun and outside of animated shorts though uh, i know and this that's it that's really all there is yeah it's just kind of sad but you know things are cyclical maybe at some point it'll come back uh, uh i hope maybe. so maybe i hope so <laughs> well i think we'll end it there uh for today and this episode of soundcast thank you so much for listening let us know what you thought of toy story 4 did you like it did you love it did you hate it did you think it was fine um we'd love to hear your thoughts about the score especially if you thought it was fun uh and you can do so by emailing us at soundcast.com hit us up on twitter at audio soundcast if you're not subscribed you can pretty much find us wherever podcasts are listed we'll probably be there um if you want to send us a voicemail i think i said that already but it's okay i'll say it again use our speakpipe widget on our site at soundcast.com Dane, where can people find and follow you? In the trash. Oh, no. Um, oh, you can no. find and follow me <laughs> on Twitter at Maestro Dane. You can just Google Dane Walker Music or use Firefox and do it or Microsoft Edge or whatever that thing is. Or, you know, join Woody's Roundup and I'm probably there. Um, yeah, just look for Dane Walker and music and uh, you can find me. All right. And if you want to... If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at C Coleman. And that's going to wrap this episode up. Thank you so much for listening. Until our next episode, we want to tell you to stay out of the trash. <laughs>